Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday, 16th of February. This is the Marcus Today Members Podcast. Welcome one, welcome all. Well, welcome members anyway. And for all of you who aren't members, why aren't you members? Cheapskates. Right, after a 79-point drop in our market yesterday, 50 points of which was thanks to the bank sector, we are up 70 points today, which is a little bit better than you might have expected. The futures this morning were up 36. Dow Jones was only up 39, but the Nasdaq was up 0.9%, as you probably know. They had some retail sales figures which were stronger than expected, and the market took it as bad news. Bad news. The US consumer is still spending. That tells me no recession is on its way, and the market sees that as bad news. Bad news because it pushes rates higher. Well, bond yields didn't go up overnight. They were pretty much flat in the US, so I don't think there's much to fuss about. But the US dollar index did go up 0.7% on the back of that. Almost all commodities were down iron ore up a touch. And commodities dragging their heels today. We have got BHP and Rio both in positive territory, but resources and particularly the energy sector and the gold sector are at the back of the pack today. The gold price had quite a big fall, a 1% fall, a $19 fall overnight. And I looked at that GDX, which is all the major gold stocks in the world bundled into an ETF. We sold that recently and that looks like we did the right thing. Have a look at the chart in the strategy piece yesterday. Nothing going on there. That CPI number this week could have bounced the gold sector, but it didn't. So gold still coming off. It's actually gone from overbought to oversold in a month. The gold sector is a tiny sector, by the way, in Australian terms, but it does get a lot of attention. Anyway, results dominate today. Sonic Healthcare up 12%. Aurora up 14.8%. Sonic Healthcare CEO calls it an amazing result. And there is a very interesting bounce in Sonic Healthcare, a buy signal. Well, in fact, there well, there'll be a buy signal tomorrow, but there's a pretty good looking chart. That share price has come down from $47 at the beginning of last year to $29. And suddenly they've got an amazing result. So that might interest some of you. Good results do tend to kick off share price trends. The other notable today, as I say, Aurora, solid results, a small beat, upgraded guidance. Share price in a nasty downtrend. Probably have a buy signal tomorrow. Other notables, AMP down 13% on results, returning to profit, paying a special dividend, but still seeing fund under management outflows. Whitehaven Coal as well, unchanged guidance. Seems the best is past. Better to earn the money than to report it. Down 8.9% today on profit, up 423%. BAPCOR, record revenue, up 11%. Up 4.75% today. Talk about a solid outlook and a buy signal on the chart in the short term. Pretty horrible trend on that one. Will this set of results bottom BAPCOR? MFG, MFG coming off the bottom. This, of course, interests everybody because of the very public Hamish Douglas fall from favor, which has taken the MFG share price down from over 
$70 to $9. The number of times people have bought this just because it's gone down and it's gone down even further. You would need all your fingers and toes to do that. Anyway, coming off the bottom, got results out of the way, up 6% on results and UBS, just ahead of results, turns from long-time seller to buyer. Target price $10, which isn't far above the current share price, but brokers turning more positive, share price turning, and have de-risked themselves with these results. Might well be worth a look. Maybe I should add that as an idea. Haven't done this morning. But probably should have done. Anyway, other notables today are Telstra. Telstra's have results. They're up 1.9%. They have seen profit up 25.7%. Uh, they are big enough a stock and of as much interest to retirees looking for income as the banks. So I have put a page in the newsletter today on the Telstra results. Have a read of that, but there are some good quotes in there. This this was a non-growth income stock for ages, and now net profit up 25%, earnings up 27%, total income up 6%, EBIT up 11%, and some of the quotes, we are a growing business. Growing, it's a growth business. A lot to be excited about in our future. Strong and continued growth. Continued growth momentum. How many times can they say growth? Outlook for 2023 is strong. This is not a stock you tend to trade to make money. It's a stock you generally hold for income. It's looking a little bit expensive on 25 times. That's historically cheap. Long-term PE is around 15 times. But this has one of the lowest volatilities of any stock in the Australian market. Its daily average true range ATR as a percentage of the share price is 1.3%. There's almost nothing as boring as this stock. And I've put a chart of the relative performance of Telstra in over the pandemic and you'll see it massively outperformed because it just sat there whilst the market fell over. And that tells you the nature of Telstra. It is boring, defensive, but quality. And now there's an element of growth. It's been trading in a very boring range for the last year, between about $4.20 and $3.70. It's up the top end of that range at the moment. The results need to be good to push it through there. But most of the brokers have got target prices above the current share price. The average is 12% above the current share price. It's got a dividend coming up now. Solid hold for income. It's not the sort of stock that keeps you awake at night. They have, however, said guidance for the full year was reaffirmed across all measures with income now expected to be at the bottom end of guidance. So they've guided their income to be at the bottom end of guidance. And usually that would collapse a share price, but up 1.9% today. Have a look at the chart as well in the page on Telstra. And you'll see I've done this with the CBA yesterday. Today. I've marked on the chart the ex-dividend dates of Telstra over the last three or four years or so, and it always tends to underperform for a while after it's gone ex-dividend, and that'll probably happen again from these prices. We'll see what the research says tomorrow, but my guess is that they will retain a fairly positive view about Telstra. The other set of results stays the NAB. They're up 1.4% on the back of their results. They've got a quarter three update. 
update, a two-pager doesn't say much, but similar sort of tones to the CBA, cash earnings up 18%, net interest margins are up 12 basis points. They are making a fortune out of higher interest rates. Now, I've written up in the strategy piece today another reaction to the CBA results yesterday. It's going to be, and the, uh, the point I'm trying to make from a strategy point of view is it's going to be very hard for the market to make progress when its biggest sector, which is 24% of the index, the banks, isn't going up. And if you look at the broker stuff on the CBA today, the average target price is 9% below the current share price. The recommendations are hold, underperform, sell, neutral, underperform, underweight and hold. When is the broking community going to wake up to the fact that the Commonwealth Bank is the best bank? It has significantly outperformed the other banks. And just because it's got a PE premium, they prefer the other banks. Wrong. The good bit of the results yesterday is that the dividend was up 20%. They added a billion to their share buyback and have had a very solid six months, very profitable. In fact, extremely profitable, made $5.1 billion. Even the Senate inquiry, did you see Philip Lowe on the TV yesterday? The Senate inquiry seemed upset that the banks are so profitable, trying to make the link between Philip Lowe being interested in making the banks money, as if he's deliberately trying to make them more profitable by raising interest rates. And as he said, it's not me, there are nine members on the board of the RBA. And he also was having to fend off criticism about having a lunch with the bankers and if the media did anything with the coverage yesterday, it was to try and paint the bankers with a wanker's connotation. And it seems Philip Lowe had a lunch with a bunch of bankers on the day of the RBA rate rise rather than going to his press conference. So they're trying to suggest Philip Lowe is cosy with the banks and the banks are making a fortune. The CBA will make $9 billion this year out of its customer base. That's $9 billion of unnecessary profits if the banking system was run not for profit. So the consumer's pain, it is a rather interesting equation. The consumer's pain is the bank's gain. So if you punish the consumer with higher interest rates in order to get inflation down and slow spending, then the money from higher interest rates goes to the banks. Remember that next time rates start going up. There is a saying, don't get mad, get even, become a shareholder. Good idea, but you need to pick your moment and doesn't look like this is it as the CBA sees some downgrades. There's one broker downgraded 6% and 4% for the next couple of years this morning. And the suggestion from other brokers is that now there's more mortgage competition. Margins have peaked earlier than expected. Home loan revenue was down 10%. Earnings are going to be downgraded. And in that backdrop, difficult to justify a PE at an almost record 18 times. So solid results, but banks looking expensive. Although they're doing okay today, they're all up. Maybe that was a one-day wonder. Anyway, hard for the market to make progress unless the banks are going up and it looks like the banks are looking a little bit peaky. And if you look at the weekly chart of the CBA, yes, it does look peaky and there's a sell signal. If you look at the daily chart, it's rather hilariously gone from overbought to oversold in a period of two days.
raised. And the bank sector, I've got the chart in there, looks peaky. So the message is we are still keen on a bull market, but it looks like we've come too far, too fast, and have hit the pause button in February. We've got a lot of news out of the way. RBA meeting, Fed meeting, US CPI number, US results season. The only thing we've got to watch at the moment is the Australian results season. That seems to be throwing up a few disasters and successes. It's hard to know ahead of time, but that's keeping us occupied. This month, by the way, is purgatory for brokers who have to write research. They can be writing one or two pieces of research a day, if not three. So Henry likes to say we're fat and happy at Easter. It looks like we're fat and happy at the end of January. So hit the pause button. Still happy to be pretty fully invested. We've got 11% cash at the moment, but happy to be invested. I do think the risk in the US market has substantially reduced compared to last year's. That's why the market went up in January. Even with that slightly higher than expected CPI number yesterday, the bond market hardly flinched. I think the bond market is now factoring in two more rate rises, possibly a third, 50% chance, says the bond market. And that's where it sits. And the market's quite comfortable with that expectation. And it's going to take some pretty forceful, unexpected macro event to knock the bond market off that expectation. And with that as the baseline, and with global recession hardly visible in these misty early months of 2023, there doesn't seem to be too much to worry about. So we've got a fair base for a bull market this year. It just seems momentum is flagging a little bit at the moment. Right, I have done a very useful piece of work for you. It's taken a few hours last night whilst I sat there and watched, what were we watching? Flash dance. Okay, you get the idea. Nothing quite like a film when you've got an 80s wife who loves flowers and men getting the girl at the end of the film. I think Flashdance, what's the other ones? Officer and a Gentleman, Pretty Woman, any other? What have I missed? Maybe I'll go and buy some flowers and get Emma a bit suspicious this evening. Anyway, we were watching Flashdance in the background whilst I sorted out an ETF spreadsheet for you. I have long wanted to do this. I had to update the ETF spreadsheet because the number of ETFs getting issued at the moment is just exploding. So you have to constantly update these things. So I've been updating the ETF spreadsheet, but I've always wanted to pull out and I did it last Last night whilst watching flash dance come on girls come on guys a list of ETFs that I would consider buying if I was running my millions in retirement. I want to avoid ETFs that are active, that have been created to exploit some fad like high yield. I've always hated the high yield ETFs ever since I looked at the way some of them operate just mindless. Anyway, I've included those because they're very popular. But the ones you want are passive. You want the ones with no employees that run off an algorithm that represent a known universe of stocks with no human judgment in the decision making progress. As I say, no employees is good. You want ETFs 
that represent an index and there's nothing clever about them. So I've tried to pull them all out. They're in various sectors, Australian market, US market, Australian sectors, commodities, countries, currencies, and global sectors. The global sectors has got a few people trying to be a bit clever, but they, they're an interesting list that cover everything from uranium to the future of payments to the metaverse, online retail, battery tech and lithium, hydrogen. So I've put all those topical, interesting global sectors in at the bottom. But the main ones you want to have a look at are or want to consider investing in are the passive ones that represent an index or a theme or a sector. And so I've pulled them all out for you. There are about 400 ETFs now. So I've got it down to this list. Have a look in the newsletter today. The article is called The Most Useful ETFs. Have a look at that. I'll leave you to read Henry's take. Don't have time to go through it all today. He looks at Calix. Fortescue, which reported yesterday, Wes Farmers as well. He looks at the banks, bank profits, and I'll leave it there. Right, as I leave you, the market is up 61 points. Consumer discretionary up 2.6%. The stock's going up there, by the way. Wes Farmers up 3.9%. Domino's, which we hold in the ideas portfolio, up 3.1%. Breville up 5.3% post results. Super Retail up 3.5% post results. BAPCOR up 4.7% post results. Corporate travel up 8.6% post results. ARB up 4.3% following BAPCORP. So consumer discretionary having a fabulous day today. The Alltech index doing all right as well. Square is up 8.7% and Telecom's up 2% as Telstra reacts nicely to its results. Bottom of the uh, pile today, NG Gold Utilities Resources. That's about that Telstra at a year high. Good, lots in the newsletter today. Today. I will not be here tomorrow. There's a lot in the newsletter today to keep you busy. I will not be here tomorrow or Tuesday. On Tuesday, I'll be out in Gippsland on the back of a motorbike. Have you ever tried to change the back tire on a motorcycle on your own, in your own garage? Let me give you a tip. It is possible, but pay the $30. Not worth it. Scratched up my beautiful back wheel rim. Still, good lesson for any day I get caught with a puncher in the outback. Okay, have a fabulous day. You're in the hands of the team for a couple of days. I'll be back on Saturday and then off till Wednesday. Market behaving itself. You have a good day. Speak to you soon. (laughs) 